You're listening to the Hope Community Church Podcast. Amen. It's so good to be back with you again. And I want to um, follow on from something Colin said um, in the worship. And I was really inspired. I listened to the first Sunday service of the new year and the hope and the enthusiasm you had. And the verse I'm taking with me into this new year is Luke 18, verse 1, where it says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. On that similar theme of always praying and never losing that hope, never giving up. Um, So I'm just going to pray again now, just as we enter this new series, that we would always be praying and that we'd cover this in prayer, cover this time in prayer. So Lord, I pray that as we look at the book of 1 Thessalonians together, that we'd be willing to learn from you, that we'd learn what you have to say to us, and that we'd learn from the church in Thessalonica too. Amen. So we're going to go through this book in six weeks, and we're going to go through each chapter by chapter the first three weeks, and then the last two chapters we're going to divide up into three weeks as well. This book was written written by Paul to the church in Thessalonica, which was the capital of the Roman province of Macedonia, so it was an important city. And it's probably the earliest of Paul's writings in the New Testament. And the context of this book is found in Acts 17, where the church is planted. Paul and his co-worker Silas are planting the church, and they see a substantial number of people come to believe in God in the city. And that includes both Jewish people, but also probably predominantly Greek-speaking people and Greek people. The trouble, though, was caused through jealousy from Jewish people who hadn't converted to Christianity. And they were jealous, and they told the Romans that these Christians believed in another king. And obviously the Romans were alarmed by this. They didn't need to be. But they were alarmed that they believed in King Jesus and not simply King Caesar, Emperor Caesar. And so this led to the Christians being persecuted because they believed in this other king. And so this letter comes after Paul and Silas had to flee um, Thessalonica because of this persecution. And after they've heard, after they've fled the city, they've heard from Timothy that the church is thriving despite this persecution. And so in the opening three chapters, we hear really incredible encouragement of what the church is doing right and how we can learn from the church. And another key thing we're going to look at in the second half, and it's throughout the book, is the second coming of Christ and how there's believers in the church who have passed away and they're unsure how to view this. And so... Paul includes teaching on that as well, but we'll come to that a bit later in the series. I'm going to start by reading um, the whole of chapter 1, which is 10 verses. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. We are the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. I'm going to entitle this sermon, What is the Result of Having Faith? What having faith leads us to do, and how having faith leads us to live. And I've chosen that title because this chapter gives us qualities that the Thessalonians are showing, that in spite of their circumstances, they're showing these positive qualities. And in verse 3, it says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. So the good that's happening in this church is the result of their faith, and it's an overflow of that. It's a result of that faith that they have that leads us to these good qualities that are inspired by their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And later in verse 6, one of the qualities we're going to look at is given by the Holy Spirit. So these qualities that we show as a church and that the church in Thessalonica shows don't simply come from ourselves, but come directly from God because we're receiving from him. And so I'm going to pick out three main qualities and then sum that up. And in particular, the first one is endurance. In verse 3 it says, And your endurance inspired by our hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Thessalonians had an endurance in spite of their circumstances. And the ESV uses a different word which I also find helpful. It uses the word steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. They had a steadfast quality about them. And when I was thinking about this and what it means to be steadfast, I was reminded of the parable of the wise and foolish builders. So I'm going to read three verses from that in Matthew 7. It says this, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And so this parable teaches us that when we live out that faith, when we put it into practice, we have that solid foundation person doing that. And I've always remembered when looking at this passage, a thought I heard from the evangelist Miriam Swaffield many years ago, and she said that the man who built his house upon the rock 
went through a storm too. It says the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it did not fall. That house went through a bit of a battering, yet it did not fall because it had that steadfastness and it had those firm foundations. And these are the foundations that the Thessalonians shared, that in spite of their suffering, they had this steadfast quality about them. That in the Lord Jesus, they had this hope and this hope for a second coming. Another quality we read in this passage is that of power. We read that when the gospel came to the Thessalonians, it didn't just come by Paul using fancy words and elaborating really clearly. It says in verse 5, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with also with power, with the Holy Spirit and a deep conviction. And so when we share the gospel, it's important that we try and elaborate and explain what we're saying clearly, and we should try to do that. But ultimately, it's not about the fancy words we use or thinking of the best explanation we can, but it's about our words coming with power from the Holy Spirit. And when our words are filled with the Holy Spirit and with power and conviction, it's not just based on us. And I think many of us can relate to this. Certainly for me, I'd heard the gospel presented to me many times. And you can hear that, but the moment it really sinks in is when you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit. That's when it makes sense. You might have heard it a hundred times, two hundred times, a thousand times, but when the Holy Spirit convicts you, that's when it clicks. And that, that's when it comes with power. And so we need the gospel not to simply come with our words, but with power and a deep conviction from the Holy Spirit. The last quality we're going to look at is in verse 6. You became imitators of us and the Lord, for you welcomed the message in spite of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The Thessalonians experienced joy given by the Holy Spirit in the midst of their suffering. We're going to look even more about that suffering probably next week in chapter 2. But I want to dig into what does it look like to have joy in difficult circumstances? And what, what does that mean to be able to be joyful in spite of those difficult times. And I found it really helpful, um, a passage in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, that kind of elaborates on this idea. So I'm going to read that from verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This passage touches on something we've already looked at, that we can have that perseverance, and that perseverance lead us, leads us to our character developing. And that character development leads to us having that hope for the future in the Lord Jesus. And that hope, is what leads us through difficult times. And it was what led the Thessalonians through difficult times. And that hope's not going to let you down. And that's because God's love is constant and steadfast. 
In verse 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. In the midst of much difficulty, God is still pouring out his love on us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus left the Holy Spirit so we wouldn't be alone in difficult times, but he would pour out his Spirit among us at those times, at those times of difficulty. And in our lives, as different things come and go, as friendships might come and go, as relationships and things that bring us happiness come and go, Jesus gave his life for us, and that will never go. That he gave his life for us whilst we were still sinners, he cared for us. And he has a deep love for us that through the Holy Spirit, he's going to continually renew us day by day with his love. And that's what's going to be the source of our joy. That's the source of our joy. And so I entitled this sermon, What is the Result of Having Faith? And I would suggest having faith is being steadfast, it's being joyful in difficult times. And it leads us to have our speech not simply coming with words from ourselves, but also with a conviction from the Holy Spirit. All these gifts, all these qualities come from God and come from God's goodness. And as a result of these being shown, the church in Thessalonica became a model for others. That's what it says and describes in verse 7. And so you became a model to all believers. And Paul didn't have to tell others about the church and what was going on because people naturally shared it because there was something distinctive about the church. He didn't need to bring it up in conversation because the church was the model and it was showing these qualities. I found it really interesting. The Greek word for model is titmos or typemos which doesn't just mean um, model, but it can also be translated as mold. And so the purpose of a mold is to bring about other things in that shape. If you had a mold to make cookies, you'd make cookies all in that shape. And so the church in Thessalonica and the Christians there, they learned from Paul. He lived among them for their sake so that he could be that mold for them. And then as they were molded into the likeness of Jesus, he, the church can then be that mold for others. And so we're called to be models, but also to be molds for others. A guy called Beal says this, our lives have a purpose orientated beyond ourselves, beyond our own holiness and well-being. And the world around us has a different understanding. It might just simply be our purpose is to seek to be happy or to do what brings us pleasure. And as Christians, we can also think our lives are to serve God and honour him, and that's right. Our lives are to pursue holiness and well-being. But our lives have a purpose beyond that. God doesn't simply call us to live a holy life individually and solitary, live that life on our own. But he calls us to be an example to others. That once we've being moulded by others, we can become that mould for other people. And this moulding is initiated by Jesus himself. He spent those three years with his disciples in order that they could learn from him. And at the Great Commission, what he's saying is, go and do as I did to you. He doesn't have to explain too much what to do because he's shown them that model. He's shown them 
how to share their faith over those three years. And so a key way in which we share our faith is to live these lives transformed by those qualities, transformed by joy, to be able to be the most calm person in the room when there's a stressful scenario, because we have that steadfastness in the Lord. I remember only a few weeks ago on Boxing Day waking up to hear the death of Desmond Tutu, who had a profound impact on fighting apartheid in South Africa. And I found it tragic, of course, but also incredibly refreshing to hear the positive media reaction and the positive messages of what he did and what his life, the life he led and how good it was. And he was a man who, despite that severe discrimination, was steadfast in the Lord. And he also showed joy at the right time. And so the media, who might so often look for critical messages towards Christianity, they had this positive one because Desmond Tutu was a model for others. And so let us also be a model for those around us, be a mold for those around us, that those around us might know the love that we have for Jesus and how that leads us to have steadfastness, joy, and that conviction from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray, and I'd invite you to open up your arms, to have your arms out, and I'm just going to pray that the Lord Jesus and that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on us. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your Spirit on us, that we would be transformed by you. Lord, being, being Christians and being a Christian community, being a missional community, we don't do that in our own strength, but we do that because we're transformed by you. So I pray we'd receive from you now. I pray we would receive your love, that in those difficult times we would experience joy because we're receiving your love and your grace. Lord, may we receive from you. May we receive from you now, and may we reflect that in our worship to you. Lord, may you help us live those lives transformed by you that aren't possible without you. Amen. You're listening to the Hope Community Church Podcast. 